Yeah, good morning, everybody. So glad to be with you as we start a new message series. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to come under this title of Why? Why? And we're going to use this question to explore a bunch of different topics over the next few Sundays. And uh, in particular, this Sunday to me is, is very important because as a quote from a pastor named Levi Lusco said, and it's stuck with me ever since, if we lose our why, we often lose our way. And uh, I've, I've noticed this to be true in a lot of things in life, not just the serious things. You know, think of when you're going to head to the kitchen to get something and, you know, maybe on route there you're having a conversation with somebody in the house or, you know, you start thinking about something or, you know, you pull out your phone and you're kind of on your way there and some matter of time passes and all of a sudden you're in front of the fridge and you look up and you, why, why was I here in the first place, right? And you just, you've lost your way, right? Well, that's, that's what I think, especially this Sunday, is important to address this. Because our topic is perseverance. Perseverance, and we're gonna need to define a little bit what we mean by that, but before we get there, let's look at uh, one of the most um, primary texts for us this morning from James chapter one. I'm gonna start reading just a few verses as he opens his letter from verse two to verse four. Look what he says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Other translations use the word perseverance. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy when you meet trouble of various kinds. And this is a very relevant topic for all of us this morning, maybe more relevant for some than for others. And so I really want to be sensitive this morning to the dynamic in this room when all of us coming from wherever we've come from today hear the topic perseverance. And what I don't want to happen is just for this, this message, this time, to be a bit of a pep talk, you know, to, to get us through this moment or the next few minutes or even just today. No, what I'm hoping we do together as we enter this space to hear from God himself and have him speak encouragement and courage into our hearts, not just for now, but to build a life of confident faith and trust in him. And so I want to pray as we start that that would happen, that beyond just what I say and what I think, that, that wherever you are, whatever you're right now thinking, that the Holy Spirit would come and have these words land in your heart in a very deep, deep way. So let me pray for us as we do that, and I invite you to join me as we do. Father, we are grateful for the space and the time to open your word. And may it be a time of encouragement this morning, regardless of who we are, how we got here, how easy or difficult it is for us to sit here right now. God, would you meet with us? Speak to us, Lord. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So perseverance. It's a big word. I don't use it often. Maybe we're not too familiar with all of what it means. You know, what, what we know the word kind of means is you know, continued effort despite opposition. But for our time this morning, as, as believers who are following Jesus, wanting to know him, uh, I want us to think about perseverance this way. Patiently fighting the troubles of life with enduring 
faithfulness to Jesus. In other words, regardless of what we go through to keep trusting him and following him, as hard as that may be. Now we all know we're in, we're in different places right now as we, as we come into this time. And I wonder for you if your starting point sounds something along the lines of this. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Feel that? Have you thought that, said that, maybe to God himself or to somebody, to yourself, and then, you know, the, the darkest parts of, of your week, of your life? Or how about this? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Is that the script maybe that's prompted in your head as, as you see the topic this morning? Where are you? What are you doing? I don't understand. I thought you weren't this way. I thought life would be different. Where are you? Have you forgotten me? I don't know what you're doing. Well, if that is you, you're in good company because you're actually quoting the Bible. Because those are the words that begin Psalm 10 and Psalm 13. Basically, where are you, God? Have you forgotten me? Seems like I'm alone in times of trouble. And this question, then, of why persevere gets really personal and very serious for some of us because we, we know that we're going to need to persevere. Like, this is what life will be like as we live in a broken world, in a time between Jesus coming and coming again. And it's why we see in James, even, in the, in the passage we read, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Like, count it joy when you enter various types of trouble. Not like, well, hey, we know the world is, is difficult sometimes, and so if you happen to find yourself in a situation that might be a little uncomfortable, count it pure joy. No, it's not if, it's when. It's when. It reminds me of Jesus' words in John 16. In this world, you will have trouble. And sort of like, at a heart level for me, and my emotional side goes, I don't like hearing that. Like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to sit in that. What kind of message is that, God? But then my logical side goes, you know, I, I actually really love that Scripture doesn't sugarcoat this. Like, what God says, when he, when he says things, he says it like they are. You know, we wouldn't accept any less from a coach or a mentor, a parent, a counselor, just telling us things we want to hear. No, God tells us things we need to hear, and what we need to hear is that life will be hard at times. The whole premise of this morning and this, and this question is, there will be sometimes, there will be things that we can't get around. Difficulty, discouragement, pressure, strain, pain, whatever it is, and we have to figure out what are we going to do with that? What do we do with that? It reminds me of when I was a, when I was a kid, I, I don't know where, I don't remember where the church was, but I heard a preacher once say, 
uh, something about troubles of life, and he framed it with the imagery of storms. And he said, hey, look, I know everybody in this room, you're in one of three camps. I know you're either right now in the midst of a storm. Maybe that's you right now. Then he said, or maybe you're not in the midst of one, maybe you're just coming out of one. Like it's just kind of figured itself out in the last day or week or you know, maybe the last several months or years. You've just kind of come out of a storm. But then he also said, or you're a third person, you're heading into a storm. And as a kid, I was like, I don't, that's not good because I know right now I'm not in the midst of a storm and I haven't just come out of one, so does that mean I'm now the third type of person that I'm heading into one? And so wherever we find ourselves today, this topic is relevant. Maybe not just for you, but maybe for somebody you know or somebody you will know. And I came to discover the, the truth of that claim because at 16, my life was very interesting. Uh, it started off in one way and went somewhere completely different. At the start of when I was 16, academically, in my high school, I was unrivaled, actually, like, like top of not just my class or a particular subject, no, like top of the school where, you know, like your parents are there and they're watching. They, I don't know if they're proud or sort of embarrassed that their kid's up there as often in the award ceremony. It's like, wow, he's got another one. And yeah, sorry, guys. Like, I don't know, was your kid coming up at some point? Like, like that was sort of like my experience. And like, it's like, wow, like, like academically, I am thriving in a way that seems like just like unparalleled. Like, that's crazy. And then athletically, I, I had plenty of, you know, trophies and ribbons and plaques on the wall that would say, hey, you know, your team did really well that year. You performed well with on, within your team that year. Like, you're doing great. So academically, athletically, and also as part of our school, we had, we had this, this band, a concert band, a jazz band, and, and my role in that, you know, I'm, I'm playing like at the top tier with not just in the school, but within the band itself. And we become provincially and, and even nationally recognized for our level of achievement. So academically, athletically, musically, then socially, I found that in, in my school and in my experience at 16 years old, I could fit in anywhere. Be it with the people who were the bullies or the bullied. It just seemed like somehow, like, you know, if you're athletic, if, if you're sort of like a, like a nerd or, or wherever you are, like, it just seemed like I could fit in anywhere. I could blend in anywhere. People would, would accept me, and I could just kind of fit where I needed to, even though I didn't feel like I was deeply involved in any one sphere. I, I felt like just socially, I could, I could make it anywhere. And then in my family, it was like, well, you know, I've got this, this tight-knit family of four. We're, we're a Christian home. Things are going well. We've got a roof over our heads. We're, we're enjoying life together. And we knew our parents cared for us. I had a good relationship with my brother. Like, wow, this, this is great. But at 16, as that, with my starting point, things shifted and changed rather dramatically. And the tip of that iceberg for me was when my mom died. 16 years old. All of that academic, athletic, musical, social, family sort of thriving all began to cascade in a very negative way with that event. So clearly, you know, the family structure, that shifts and is not complex. There's new dynamics to figure out and manage. Academically, I went from, like I bragged, top of the school to the point where grade, you know, 11 and 12, I ended school not even graduating with honors not exemplary or, you know, remarkable by any means. Athletically, I wasn't super involved because also around that time, I injured a ligament in my knee, which kind of put everything on pause, and also I lacked the motivation to really, you know, kind of drive at it. So no, that's no longer really a part of an identity marker for me. 
Socially, things got weird because also at that time we moved to a brand new town, which late on in secondary school, you know, that's a tough time to move. So now I don't fit in anywhere because I don't know anybody. Musically, I, I, I dropped the instruments I played, never picked them up again. People would never even know that was part of my life. And even for me, it seems like I'm talking about somebody else's life. And to some degree, I am. Because that's my starting point at a season. And the topic of perseverance and endurance and fighting the troubles of life is something that I had to now confront. Is my theology, is my understanding of knowing and following Jesus strong enough, robust enough to come against this? And not just for me, but, but as one of your pastors, things that I've you know, been privileged and humbled to carry with some of you, but also burdened by carrying with you. You know, the restlessness that I see, that we're trying to fill with, with distraction, some of which is not necessarily bad, but some of which is, you know, at best unhealthy, at worst sinful. Or the surprising amount of people that I've encountered over the last several years that I, to, a, to a level that I never thought existed, where, you know, the pain is just so real that the option of suicide becomes viable for somebody. They go, I just want to escape it all. And you see the, the pressure that leads to that, and you're like, wow, I, I never knew life could be so tough for some. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's, it's, it's that, you know, prayers went unanswered and then the God we sang about and sang to and the, and the word we opened, you know, all of that was, was good for a moment, but then things came crashing down. A, a situation arose, a problem emerged that maybe caught me off guard or maybe I, even I was responsible for and now I'm wondering, like the psalmist, where is God? Does God even exist? And I've watched people wander away, lose their way. Doubt and frustration and confusion as part of that. So we know at the start, why persevere? Well, why? Because we're going to need to. There's going to be something at some point in time that gets real for us. And my concern is that as we look at those types of things, those types of problems, that could it be that, you know, are we in such a poor place where we might be one bad day away from walking away? But I don't think we need to be. And hence, not just the, you know, panic-inducing, you know, thought-provoking parts of, of this message, but no, there is encouragement to be had because of the good news of what God has done in Jesus and can do still today. So why persevere? Well, first, because perseverance actually produces something. Look again at James. It says, count it all joy. So joy can be part of the equation. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Then here's the command. Let steadfastness, let perseverance have its full effect. Why? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, what this tells us is that there's something about persevering that gives us access to a benefit that we wouldn't otherwise have to that degree. There's an exclusive sort of product that comes out of perseverance. I like how Paul puts it in Romans, elaborating on, on James's thought a little bit, giving a bit more concrete language to what he's saying. In Romans 5 we read, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope 
of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. And then the Holy Spirit begins to produce things. Love and joy and peace and patience, even in the midst of suffering. And so perseverance, well, why would we want to persevere? Because it produces something. It links us up with blessing and hope in a way we would never otherwise have. You talk to people who've persevered for decades or for years or for some degree, and you talk to them, and they go, a lot of them are like coming forward going, I wouldn't trade this. It was hard, it was terrible, but on the other side of it, I see how it brought me to a place of connecting me to my God to a point of blessing and hope, not just despair and pain. So we see that it produces something, but, but, but what I know for myself is, okay, well, is that really worth it, though? Do I need to have my faith built in that way? Because when I think about my life, if I think about it as, you know, where I am today, I'm starting here, and I want to move forward in life. And as I move forward in life, as I walk forward, as I move forward, I want to get to happiness. I want to get to a greater degree of comfort. I want to get to a greater degree of peace and rest and assurance and friendship and contentedness. I want to move forward in life into things that I really want, really desire, that are built into me. Security, significance. And as I'm walking through life, though, it seems inevitable at times that when I'm going towards these things, it's as if a giant barricade appears in the form of trouble. And now the happiness and the security and the peace and the joy, the stability, it's on the other side of a barricade, and I'm not sure I could, there's any way around it. Oh, I've prayed a lot of prayers. I've heard a lot of the stuff, but it's still here, it's still there. Oh, I've, 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 I've thrown all my effort. I've thrown all my patience. I have actually persevered. And it's like, well, I, I just can't go any further. And I, I know you're thinking, like, well, that's, that's, a, that's a big prop. Well, yes, it's a big prop because to you, think about it, there are things that are big to you. Real barricades, real barriers, real situations that are preventing you from getting to a place that, that you wanted to go but now cannot go. And maybe part of the problem is actually that you know how big it is, but those you know best don't know how big it is for you. Or you've tried to con convey it to your spouse, and they've understood and empathized and, and come alongside you as best you can, but there's just, there's just sort of a last level at which even they can't fully grasp how big it is. Oh, your friends, you know, they're only around, you know, in certain settings in life, and it's not always even appropriate to bring these things up and talk about them because you always don't want to be the guy or the girl, you know, kind of throwing your thing into the thing, and then it's like, oh, now everything's about the barricade that so-and-so has, you know, and so there's only so much they can understand. Oh, your kids, they can't actually process maybe the dynamics involved of your problem, and so they can't fully feel what you feel and fully understand what you're carrying. 
your counselors, your mentors, your doctors, even, dare I say, your pastors, they just don't know how big it is that you've been carrying it. And maybe it's not even because you haven't had opportunity to share. Maybe it's because you don't even know what it is. You're feeling something. You're not even sure where it's coming from. It's invisible. Or maybe worse than invisible, maybe it's something that actually seems actually irreversible. Like a loss in the past. That it seems like time maybe would have dictated you could have gotten over this by now. But it's still there. Oh, maybe it's not there in the way it was when it was first there, but it's still there. And you've got to deal with it. You've got to bring it with you. It seems like it's always there. And even as you sing the songs, and even as you pray the prayers, and even as you keep going through life, with, with as much trust as you can muster, it's big. It's big. And what do we do with that? Because there's no way around it. But there is a way through it. If we know who's with us. Because see, you may not be able to change this. Yes, continue praying. Yes, continue trusting. Yes, continue working and putting effort in. But it may not ever change, you know. And even though you can't change the pressure, even though you can't change the stress, even though you can't change, you know, the depression, even though you can't change the fear, even though you can't change all of what's fractured and broken, even if we can't change what has been lost or is confusing, even though you cannot change the problem, don't miss this, the problem can't change Jesus. You may not be able to do anything about this, but this can't do anything about your God. And what it does not change for us is his finished work and his continuing work and his future work. What does it change? Well, it might change me, but it doesn't change him. So what I see when I read Romans, it doesn't change the fact that I can be justified by faith. And when there was a time when I was not justified, when I was not standing in good relationship with God, that there was something called sin that was leading me to death that I could not fix, but Jesus provided a way. It doesn't change that. It doesn't change that we can have peace with God the most important type of peace that at one point we couldn't do, couldn't have, didn't have, doesn't change that. Doesn't change our hope that as long as, you know, this is here or the many, maybe, barricades that we have are here, it doesn't change the fact that we're told one day he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And I don't know how that's going to work but I know he says he's going to do it. It doesn't change the fact that we've been given the Holy Spirit to be with us now. Not just like, well, okay, we've got heaven someday. Someday this isn't going to be a thing. Well, no, also that, but right now you've got a power with you to face this. And you can patiently fight the troubles of life with enduring faithfulness to Jesus, knowing that even if you can't change this, this does not change him. So why persevere? Well, because it produces something. But it also relies on a power. So you, you're gonna, you know, look at, look at the commands of James and it's like, okay, 
count it all joy. So there's something I can control there. Let steadfastness have its full effect. There's something I can control there. Perseverance is something you can control even if you can't control the something you're persevering in. But even as I say that, I go, that's tiring. Like, maybe you have persevered for longer than you want to admit, for longer than we could understand, for longer than you thought would be the case. And, and beyond getting better, things have actually gotten worse. More barricades have shown up in the process. So what do we do with that? Like, and, and maybe those words from the Psalm 10, Psalm 13, you know, how long... I'm tired. How long must I persevere? Can you just give me a date? Can you give me some sort of target to shoot for? Because it'd be way easier if I knew when this was going to be done. Look, I don't know how long the problem's going to be there. But I know what's going to be there longer. Jesus is going to be there longer. Oh, the, the, the pain that you're feeling? Well, it's going to be outlasted by the love he's given you. Oh, the chaos that's around you? Yeah, that's going to be outlasted by the peace that is with you. And when we realize, like, okay, all of this is here because of the evil and the brokenness and the sin of our world, maybe our own or somebody else's, or, or some way in which the spiritual realm works, all of that's there because of that. Well, think of who we are following. The one who took the most intensity when it came to evil and sin and suffering. Jesus himself. I love, how, I love how just a few pages away from James where we've been reading in the book of Hebrews we're told this about our God. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people who have run through life with faith and trust and confidence over the long haul, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us Let's Central Heights in 2020 run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look, all of the intensity, all of the immense amount of barriers because of evil and brokenness and sin, they were thrown at him and he's still standing. And so we, if we are resting in him, we're resting in the one who has outlasted worse things than we're going through. It hasn't changed the fact that God so loved you, so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't change the fact that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. It doesn't change the fact that he's given us another helper to be with us forever. It doesn't change the fact that we can now live this life by faith in the son of God who loved us and gave himself for us and who has, has and who will outlast all of what you're experiencing. Perseverance has a product, and it relies on a power. One final story I want to give us that maybe just helps land this really concretely for us this morning. It's from this Old Testament book of Daniel. And in Daniel, we, we read a very interesting story about these three men who were in the midst of an empire that wasn't 
following the same God they were following. Put them in a situation where they were told, hey, you need to worship our God in a very particular way, and if you are not, we're going to kill you. So the stakes are high. These three guys, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king of that time, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. Read what the story says in Daniel chapter 3. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why do that? Well, these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you don't, if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Like, if you don't worship in the way I'm going to want you to worship, we're going to burn you to death. And then what he says is, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You ever feel like your problems are speaking that kind of discouragement over you? What God's going to rescue you out of this? You've tried, you've prayed, you've prayed and prayed and prayed. You've got your friends to pray. You've done things. What God is going to rescue you? You ever feel like that sometimes where it's like, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. Well, look what, what, look what these guys do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. So they've got to trust. They, they, they know. Our God is able. We see, we see the fire warming up. We see the temperature rising. We see there's no way around this. But we know he's able. But even if we go there, we're going to fight with enduring faithfulness to our God. We are going to persevere even if it gets to the point of burning us to death. And I think maybe for me and, and possibly for you this morning, maybe just those two words, even if, could unlock for us the possibility of getting through one more day today. Even if might unlock the possibility and the reality and the confidence and the motivation to get through this next month. Even if I can't change the past. Even if I can't alter or fix the present. Even if I can't anticipate or plan for the future. Even if all of that, I'm going to persevere. Even if. And you say, well, I'm not like those three guys. I don't know my Bible well enough. I'm just kind of exploring faith. I, I haven't entered a relationship with Jesus. Like, well, okay, move into that. You can do that. But also consider who you're surrounding yourselves with. Get near people like this amidst trouble. Get near people who have walked with Jesus longer. Get near people who have persevered so that they can say, even if, when you cannot. I love how this story in particular ends. They, they move into perseverance with the even if. Fire starts to rise. 
heat starts to come up, fire is going, and, and the king looks inside and goes, wait, we threw three guys in there. Why do I see four? Who's in there with them? And why is it that they're not bound anymore? Why is it that they're not harmed? <laughs> what is going on? Somebody else is in that fire with them. And somebody else is in that fire with us. Oh, you, you're, you may stay bound in that, in that pain. You may get harmed to some degree on this side of eternity. But that doesn't change the fact that he's with you. And the conviction for us to move into the saying, even if, in order to persevere, the conviction is this, that no matter where we are in life, what matters is where Jesus is. And he's with you. Let me pray that we would recognize that wherever we are today. God, in this room, there are a lot of different places, a lot of different circumstances, a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different pain and discouragement and difficulty and opposition. We recognize that. And we want to move forward with the confidence in you to know that you are able to completely change the story at any moment. But even if you don't, you're with us. Why did you speak that reminder in, into my heart, into all our hearts this morning? You are with us. Our problems are real, but so is our God. So I just want to pray for whoever's in here this morning that is in the middle of it or knows somebody who's in the middle of it, caring for somebody who's in the middle of it. Help us to patiently fight. Yes, knowing that perseverance produces something, but also knowing that we are relying and resting in your power at work within us by your spirit to endure. Or would you encourage us today? Would you speak peace and joy, patience and hope today? God, I can't do that. Can you do that for us today? Thank you for the reminder that you care and you can carry us Help us to trust you no matter what we face.